Insiders who steal intellectual property from their organizations often do so within a month of their departure. That's a finding found in research from the Computer Emergency Readiness Team Program at Carnegie Mellon University's Software Engineering Institute. Hello, I'm Eric Chabro of Information Security Media Group, and I'm pleased to be speaking with Dawn Capelli and Mike Hanley of Carnegie Mellon's CERT program about the paper entitled Insider Threat Control Using Centralized Logging to Detect Data Exfiltration Near Insider Termination. Welcome, Dawn. Welcome, Mike. Thank you. Thank you. Before we get to the findings of the paper, let's discuss the insider who poses this threat. Are insiders a greater threat today to organizations than in the past? And if so, why? Well, it's kind of hard to tell if they are a bigger threat now than in the past because we get our information from the media, from law enforcement, from organizations who tell us about incidents. But in many cases, or in most cases, they don't really come to light for there's a lag time between when the crime actually happens and when an arrest is made, and certainly when they go to trial. I can tell you that we are keeping very, very busy because we have been finding a lot of insider threat cases. We have a lot of grad students who spend time capturing those cases in our database. Another interesting fact is the growth in unintentional insider threats. For the past 10 years, the CERT Insider Threat Center has been looking at malicious insider threats, but we're now starting to include non-malicious insider threats, and we are about to actually start a new study of those types of insider threats. When you say non-malicious insider threat, are you just talking about carelessness on the part of users, employees? It ranges from carelessness to victims, very devious outsiders who are trying to get in. It can be someone who loses a backup tape, or it can be someone who is sent spear phishing email. And many of those spear phishing emails are very well crafted. So no matter how much security awareness training you give to your employees, some of these attacks can be very difficult to really recognize. You've identified four categories of malicious insider threats, IT sabotage, threat of intellectual property, fraud, and espionage. Are there common characteristics among the insiders who partake of these four areas? Interestingly enough, these different crimes are very different. Who does it, what they do, why they do it, when they do it is very different. IT sabotage is typically committed by system administrators, programmers, DBAs, technically sophisticated users, privileged users who become very disgruntled and they actually typically set up their attack before termination and most of them only actually carry out their attack after termination. That's IT sabotage. That's when an insider wants to cause harm. They want revenge. They want to bring down systems or wipe out data. Theft of intellectual property or industrial espionage involving theft of trade secrets like scientific information, engineering information, source code, that is typically committed by scientists, engineers, programmers, salespeople, someone who steals what they worked on. And so in these cases, this is where we found that most of them steal the intellectual property within 30 days of resignation. 
there may be a disgruntlement factor there, or they may just be leaving to start their own business, or in about a third of the cases, they're stealing the IP to take outside of the United States. Could there be arguments among some of these people that they own this information? Some of the insiders claim that they just didn't realize that it wasn't theirs to take, but organizations have gotten much better in recent years about having employees sign intellectual property agreements. You know, in the cases in our database, they were prosecuted, and so their argument was not successful. We are currently doing a study with the Secret Service and the Department of Treasury and the financial sector, and that study is funded by DHS, Science and Technology Directorate. That study is specifically looking at insider fraud. In the next few months, we'll be coming out with a report that will have a very detailed model on insider fraud. When you talk about the fourth category of espionage, you're talking about national security espionage? Yes. Now, industrial espionage falls under theft of IP. How does one catch insiders wanting to do harm, such as stealing intellectual property, or better yet, prevent them from damaging the organization? Eric, we've got a series of behavioral models that we've created over time from all the case information that we've collected. So we have several hundred cases. I believe we're up over 700 cases now. And when we look at those and step back and create these models, we can find patterns of behavior and interesting descriptive statistics about the types of things that the insiders engage in that we can start looking for on technical systems. We might look at things such as the 30-day window that you mentioned at the beginning of the talk where most insiders steal IP within that window. We can say, well, what might that theft look like? If I know that most insiders steal information using email to exfiltrate the information, I can start narrowing down and say, well, let's look at how we can instrument our logging server that captures that email information or how we can restrict messages that are outbound from our change server, for example, to either detect, prevent, or respond to those attacks more efficiently. So there's a certain pattern you tend to see, more activity or or something else? Yeah, it's not necessarily that we look for specific patterns. I mean, we usually try to, to pull out the patterns that are most interesting in our data. Uh, So that could be like things that are most prevalent or specific requests that we get from our sponsors. And then we try to look at, in in our labs, we we actually have a physical lab that's sponsored by the Department of Homeland Security to instantiate these patterns and test variations of them with open source tools, with commercial tools, and try to find ways to develop good countermeasures and indicators for these types of attacks. A lot of our listeners are people who run IT security organizations in, in businesses, government, What should they be doing to make sure this doesn't happen to them? In the Insider Threat Lab, we have recently released two new controls. One of them is the one that you mentioned. It might be helpful, Mike, if you just kind of highlight what we have in those two new controls, and then we can talk about what we'll be doing in the future. Sure. The document that Dawn mentioned is the first in a series. We're working on publishing controls based on some of the initial interesting findings from our behavioral modeling and from taking a sort of broader look at the data. So the one that's out on our website now looks at that 30-day window and, as an example, uses Splunk, which is a centralized logging suite that that people are probably familiar with in your audience. We know that people are stealing within that 30-day window, and we know that they exfiltrate via email. What's a good, efficient way for us to narrow the search space such that we can try to find that malicious behavior? And it provides sort of a rough framework, what the problem is, and then goes into examples of how you get instrument for that. We've also got a video that was released at the same time, a recreation of an insider attack using our lab. So it displays the progression of an actual sabotage case and demonstrates a few points where an organization could have intervened using tools in our lab to to prevent the attack. 
a couple things that we have forthcoming that we've already sort of talked about publicly, but that will be put into a similar document form to the control that's out there today involve things like using network flow data. So if we see things involving data exfiltration where there are large amounts of data movement on the network, can we instrument appropriately to detect that type of activity before the information gets off the network? So often when somebody emails things off a network or is burning disks to remove information from the corporate network, that's usually preceded by some sort of data download internally to get the data onto the end user system. We can look for that. We can potentially catch these folks rather than at the point they've committed the crime, we can catch them one step before. We've also been asked to look into what some of the capabilities of data loss prevention are. Clearly, some of the DLP tools and, and other commercial information security tools have fairly robust set of capabilities. I think you can argue in a lot of those cases, the ability to collect data is not the problem. It's a matter of how do I instrument the tool to look for the right things and create good indicators and rules. So we're trying to look at what types of rules and indicators are helpful in the LP suite. That's just a couple of examples of, of what we've got coming out in terms of controls over the course of the next uh, few months here. And you'll also see some new video demonstrations, including one that demonstrates that Splunk rule using an actual insider case. Is there a difference in behavior of the insider who's going to steal this intellectual property and whether they're quitting or being fired? If they're being fired, so they're, they're a disgruntled employee who's been causing problems, if it's a system administrator, you need to be more concerned about sabotage. If it's an engineer, scientist, programmer, from what we've seen in our cases, their methods would be similar to whether they're being fired or they're quitting. Also, you talk about this 30-day period. Is this something where you, you need to start being proactive 30 days before or that you should start going back and checking your records and logs for the previous 30 days? I think the answer to that question is you can do both. It sort of depends on what the capabilities of the organization are and sort of how many hours they can dedicate to looking at that type of data. So certainly you can be proactive about it. It's just a matter of instrumenting such that you say, hey, if I know someone's leaving and I can put them on any sort of targeted monitoring or be looking appropriately for, for folks that we know are going to be on their way out, you can monitor in, in near real time. But if you don't have that capability or don't have the, the personnel to look for that, certainly the more you log, you, you do have a forensic capability there to at least go back and say, I know something happened and I can see what left and when in case I want to prosecute or take some other course of action. To be clear, that 30-day window can be 30 days before they turned in their resignation as well as 30 days after they turn in their resignation. You do need to be able to go back in time. That's the key. So what are the kind of skills organizations need to have to catch this kind of insider? We have developed our lab so that we can develop new ways that organizations can use existing technology to catch insiders. We've gotten really good feedback on what we've put out there so far. The idea is that we don't want people to have to go out and spend more on new tools. People spend a lot of money on technology. And so we're trying to develop solutions that they can use open source or they can use whatever tools they already have. It's important that management understands insider threat as well as the technical staff. That's a key problem that we've seen is that everyone believes that 
detecting insiders and preventing insider attacks is IT's problem. And IT really can't do it alone. There needs to be communication across the organization because if no one tells them that they're going to fire this disgruntled sysadmin, then they don't know that they should be watching what this person's doing. And if no one tells them that they're going to be laying off a lot of people and so all of these people are going to be leaving, they don't know that they need to be watching for potential data exfiltration or sabotage. It's important that there's awareness across the organization, and that's part of the reason that we decided to release these videos in addition to technical reports, so that hopefully other people in the organization can watch those videos and get a high-level understanding of what has really happened in these cases. So I guess it's just another example of how IT security, not just IT, but IT security is really integrated into the mission of the organization. Exactly. That is what we're trying to do. We need to reach the upper management of organizations so that they understand that they need to work with IT and with information security to solve this problem. Thank you, Dawn, and thank you, Mike. You're welcome. Thank you for having us. I've been speaking with Dawn Capelli and Mike Hanley of Carnegie Mellon's CERT program for Information Security Media Group. I'm Eric Chabro. Thanks for listening.